They do an excellent job. I always throw last minute. I won't say always. I have had a habit. I won't confess that over myself for them uh, of throwing last minute things on them. And they just do such a wonderful job. Yes, they do. Well, I wanted to talk to you just a moment about Celebration Sunday and let you know, for those of you who are not aware of what Celebration Sunday is, that's really our seven-year anniversary here at the church. And so uh, we just do it upright, and uh, we want to make sure everybody comes. Don't miss the day. But make sure you understand what the Lord gave us first off to do with that day. It's a more blessed thing to give than it is to receive. And so the Lord dealt with us right away to make it an outreach. Instead of just being so focused on ourselves, he dealt with us about sowing that day. So make sure that you make it a point to sow something that day. It's like what Dave was saying about these things up on the board. When, when the Lord deals with us as a church to do something, you don't want to miss out on it because that could be where your blessing is. And if you're believing God for things now, I don't care if it's a can of pork and beans. Get in on it. I don't care if you have to go and buy a washing machine. You're believing for a house and you're going to be believing for new furniture for a house. Hey, this is your day. So... Be led about what you're supposed to do. It is an outreach. And, you know, the, uh, the Word talks about, you know, when I was in jail, you came and visited me when I was poor. You helped me out. If you give to the, to the poor, the Lord says what? He will repay you. So we want to get in on that, right? So make sure you're a part of that. And then also, if you haven't signed up to help, Tom and Amy wanted me to tell you that if you are already on a team, don't assume that they're going to call you just because you're already on a team. This means that you have to re-sign up. Do you understand that? Uh, because a lot of people just assume that because maybe they're on altar care or maybe they're on parking lot or maybe they're, they're on greeters or maybe they're on ushers, that if they need me, they'll call me. No, they're not going to do that. If you are available to help them that day for an hour and 15 minutes, go out there tonight and sign up for an hour and 15 minutes. It's another form of sewing. Maybe you could use some really good help or maybe you could use a job. Get out there, guys. Good day to do it. Be a fun day. There's nothing more fun than seeing a two-year-old get a duck out of a puddle of water and shout for three hours about it, or catch a catch a trout and carry it around and show it to everybody. You know, all you're doing is having fun with kids most all day long. So if you've not done it, you're missing out on the joys of what's happening doing that because it will put a smile on your face from ear to ear to be able to do it that day. It's a great day, so uh, be a part of that. And then. Um, the other thing is um, um, there's somebody missing, and I guess you can tell. He is in Grand Junction. They had a service last night, and they're having another one here in just a few minutes. I guess theirs has started, too. So uh, uh, it'll go really good for them, and it will stop snowing, and he'll get to come home tomorrow in time for our Sunday service. So that's what I'm believing for if anybody wants to hook with that. Yeah, and you know why. So, uh, well, I got a, a message that I changed about. 26 times from yesterday morning. So I think I've got what we're supposed to do tonight. And I think it'll be really, really good. So are y'all excited about it? Maybe you could tell by some of the songs that we got, uh, I got them to do, that I think there's some some things that we need to be ready to uh, uh, stand for. And, and, and uh, after you sing always and hold on, you know. Um, 
sometimes the devil can be mean, you know, and it's real fun to stand here in church and sing, hold on and always, and you got a smile on your face, but then when you go home and nobody's watching, what's happening? Are you still singing always? Huh? Are you sitting there crying looking at those bills? You know, are you sitting there crying because of what that ballistic teenager did? No, our teenagers are not that way. Maybe it's somebody out there on the Internet that hadn't been here for a while because I know our teenagers. But you understand what I'm saying. It's real easy to sing and put on a smile in front of other people and not show what's really going on inside you and not show that maybe your marriage is about to fall apart. Oh, I think I could have heard a pin drop about then. Or not show that there's turmoil all around you or that you're about to lose your job or you're about to lose your house. Right? It's not faith just to do it at church and give in to it when you get home. Did you know that? Not faith. It gets real tiring when those feelings come and you keep going through the same thing over and over and over again. I think about somebody when I think about that. Think about the children... Of the Israelites going through the wilderness. How long did they do that? You want to go through yours? Forty years? Forty years. That's a long time. Now, when they left Egypt, what did they leave with? When they were in Egypt, they were slaves. They were bound up. They were oppressed. They didn't have anything. They didn't have money. They didn't have clothes. They didn't have food. They didn't own themselves. They were sick. But when they left that night, what happened to them? They owned themselves again. They were healthy again. They were wealthy again. And they had a bright future. Right? What does that remind you of? Maybe, possibly, could it be the day you got saved? So what happened to them over 40 years? Did they lose sight of something? And maybe what happens to us over a period of time? Do we possibly lose sight of something? Do we lose sight of the things that happened when we got saved? We have a bright future. Let's look at some of the things that happened. Okay? They were there in the wilderness. They had a leader. Moses did some things for them. He took some stuff for them when he was dealing with the Pharaoh. And and, uh, he got them out of there. What should they have done 
with Moses when they got into the wilderness? What's one of the first things they should have done with Moses in the wilderness? Oh, somebody got it. They should have possibly thanked him. Wouldn't you think? Would it have been proper to thank somebody that went through the things that didn't want to do those things and came in there and dealt with all the stuff and and got you out of that and gave you a bright future and, and led you to be healed and led you to... I mean, they went out of there with wealth. I mean, they were prosperous when they went out of there. And they didn't have anything before. But did they thank Moses? Huh? Did they lose sight of some things? What did they do with Moses? Moses, we ain't got no water. Fix it. Moses, we ain't got no food. Fix it. Moses, we could have died in Egypt. Fix it. Moses, there's serpents everywhere. Fix it. Moses, we talked against God. Fix it. Did they thank him? Now, I know nobody in this room would ever do anything like that. But... Is it possible that maybe sometime in our lives we could have gotten on the same track as them? God, fix it. Instead of being thankful that He got us out of our sicknesses, He got us out of our sin that we were going to hell, He got us out of, you know, poverty. Could we have possibly lost sight of the fact that maybe we were supposed to do something like maybe they were supposed to do something? Why didn't they, though? It tells us in the New Testament. Anybody know why they didn't? Unbelief. Unbelief. Said they didn't enter into the promised land because of unbelief. What oftentimes causes unbelief? Fear. They got out there and they got scared. They didn't have any food. What do you do when you don't have any food? Be honest for five seconds. What do you do when you don't have any food? Do you get scared, possibly? Possibly. Would you have a tendency to maybe get a little bit scared? What am I going to do? How am I going to feed my kids? What are we going to eat? You shouldn't. 
I'm not saying what you should do. But is it possible that you might yield to that just a little bit? Or when you get sick and you get a bad report and somebody tells you you got cancer and you got to die, is it possible Nobody in this room, I know, would ever get into fear. Do you see the same things that was happening to them could be possibly happening to us? And maybe the same reasons that they were in the wilderness for 40 years, that maybe some of us are headed down that same path. And that our blessings are right there and that we could have them. And maybe some of it's more our fault than what we want to take our responsibility for. Is it possible? Let's look at something here. Isaiah 55 verse 9. I want you to see this with your very own eyeballs. It says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, what do you get from that? Smarter than us? Yeah, that's one good way of putting it. I can believe that. Anybody else? He sees the big picture? Maybe he thinks different than we do. What do you think? Is it possible that his thoughts could be possibly different than our thoughts? That's why would he say this? His ways could be different than our ways? And he could think a little bit different than we might think. It's real easy to sit back and think, well, this is what we should do. This is what God would do. But really, we should find out what he would do and how he would handle things and how he would want us to handle things and see if we're really doing it the way that he would want it done and really handling it the way that he would want it handled. I think sometimes we might get real surprised at some things. You want to for just a minute? Might change your way of thinking on some things. Let's look at this before we do because I want you to be in this frame of mind as we go through these things. First John 4, 4. No need in getting sad. This is going to be a happy time. First John 4, 4. Were some of them able to go into the promised land? Are you going to be some of them that get your blessings? Yes. All right. Let's do it. First John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and, say this, have 
overcome them. When's that going to happen? Have. Have. Say that with me. Have overcome. When, when does that happen? When, so who's waiting on it? Okay. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now the Amplified says, little children, you are of God. You belong to him. Oh, this is good. Read this with me. And have already defeated and overcome them, the agents of the Antichrist. That means any demonic thing that's come against you. You're not excited enough. You have already overcome it. You have. Not going to. You have already overcome it. Because he who lives in you is greater and mightier than he who lives in the world. You have already overcome. You've already defeated him. You just got to see how to do it. How to get on this side instead of this side. That's all you need. You want to see it tonight? Let's see it. All right? Now listen to me for just a minute. How long did they stay in the wilderness? Forty years. Now let me show you something. I looked up. I spent some time looking up. All right. Forty years they stayed in the wilderness. Now if you took a map and you looked at it. How many of you have ever looked at it? They went like this. They went. They started here. And they went, like this. Now, any smart person, if they're going somewhere and they're walking, okay, we'll go, whoop, whoop. They won't take the long way. They won't go, whoop. Now, you could say maybe the terrain was better. I don't know about you, but when you have to part a Red Sea to get there. <laughs> if he can part a Red Sea to get there, he could fix the terrain over here, too. Amen. This way seemed to be something like... now. I tell you, I am no theologian. Uh, I am no Bible scholastic. Uh, if you want to fight me about it, you win. I'll tell you ahead of time. You win. That's not my point tonight. My point tonight is, I think the best I could figure in the short time I figured on it, it was something like uh, 500 to 550 miles, somewhere around in there, to get from here to here the long way. That's like from here to, what would you say, Jill? Chicago, Dallas. 
I don't know about you, but I think I could walk to Chicago or Dallas before 40 years was up. I mean, I do five miles a day on my treadmill. I think I could make it before 40 years is up. But now, if they took the shortcut and went, whoop, whoop, that's about 200 miles. Now, again, I'm not going to argue with you. If you want to say it's 192 or 600, I don't care. I'm just telling you what the best I could figure. About 200 miles from here to here. That's like from here to Kansas City. Now, there's absolutely no way under the sun it would take you 40 years to get to Kansas City from here. Now, what was the deal? They spent a lot of time doing their own thing, don't you think? They spent a lot of time not following the person that led them out. They spent a lot of time not listening to the one that the Lord told them to listen to. They spent a lot of time doing their own thing. And you can too. You can, just like they can, do your own thing your whole life and die in the wilderness. And never get your blessings. And never accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish. Just like God didn't make them, He won't make you. He's not a maker. He don't make you do anything. He'll be sad. Didn't make him happy. Matter of fact, He got mad with them a few times. Read your Bible. Upset with them. But he won't make you do it. But you are the one that misses out. Now, Joshua and Caleb, they had it good. And they got the blessings. Now, I don't know about you, but I've missed it a few times. I know you haven't, but I have. And I don't like missing it at all. I like getting it right. It's no fun to fail test and have to take them over again. I don't like it at all. But I want us to look at some things at actually the way God does things instead of the way that our little thoughts think that God does some things. You want to? Let's do it. All right, let's look for just a minute at Second Kings. There were, you don't even have to, just listen to me. Just leave your Bible sitting on your lap for just a minute and just listen tonight for a little bit. There was these four leprous men. You remember the story. They were sitting there at a gate. They were about to die. Do you remember them? Okay. They sat there and they said, why sit we here till we die? We can go back to our city. There's famine. 
Or we can get up and go over here where these guys are, the Syrians, and what? Maybe they'll kill us. We're going to die anyway. But they got food. So maybe we'll get up and go over there with them. And we'll live if we get food. My question to you. Do you think it possible that they might have had a wee tightsy bit of fear even though they decided to do this? They're going to take on a whole army. They're going to go in there already sick with leprosy and not supposed to be around anybody. But they've made a decision We're going to do this. This is what we're supposed to do. Do you think they could have sat there and talked themselves out of it? You think they could have got scared? I mean, they're just human. You you like to put these in fairy tale thoughts in your mind, but these are just four guys. That's all they are, four guys. They're sitting there. They're sick. Which would be easier, to die of starvation or to die because somebody tortures you to death or kills you or does something crazy to you? You don't know what's going to happen to you if these guys get a hold to you. Is it possible they could have gotten scared? Absolutely. But what did they do? They got up and they went. What did they get? They got so much stuff. They got food. They plundered the whole city. Then they felt guilty. We better let the king know about this. They were able to supply the whole country. Now, could they have just sat there because they were scared? Absolutely. All of us can. Because we're scared. Because we think about what's going to happen. We let our mind say, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, three of them talk two of them out of it. I mean, two of them talk two of them out of it. And there you have it. Reason it out. Another story. Mark, you ever heard about the woman with the issue of blood? What about her? Did she get healed? How hard would it have been for her just to sit back and stay sick? She was already sick. She was already weak. She'd been bleeding. She'd been to every doctor in the country. What do you want to do when you're sick? Lay in bed and have people wait on you and rub your head and pity you and feel sorry for you. Do you think it would have been real easy for her to talk herself out of going through the crowded streets and hunting Jesus down, finding him? Do you think she had a little bit of fear? Put up Mark uh, 33 for me on the screen. Y'all don't have to turn to it. Just put it up. They can see it real quick. What's that? Fear. Fear. And trembling. 
Was she in fear and trembling? Absolutely she was. But did she overcome her fear and trembling and her scaredness and do it anyway? And did she get her blessings because she did that? She had to step out. She had to take that step. She had to get out of her comfort zone and do what she had to do. Now, could God have healed her right where she was? Absolutely. But that's not the way he wanted to do it. Could God have met those lepers' needs right where they were? Sure. He fed other people with ravens. Why couldn't he have fed them that way? Wasn't his choice. Get up and go. Now, now here's one that's really going to blow you away. You know it. What about Abraham? My Bible said, may even need to see it on the screen. Put it up in the Amplified, 22, verse 1. Genesis, yeah, sorry, in case y'all behind in your times and don't know Abraham's in Genesis. <laughs> After these events, what? God tested and proved Abraham. And told him to get Isaac and take him up. Now let me ask you a question. If God came to you and told you to take your son and put him on an altar or your daughter, how long do you think you'd sit around your house and find scriptures and find word and find people to agree with you that that was wrong. And reason it out and prove it out that this could not be God. Because you didn't want to do it. Do you know there will always be an out to what God tells you to do? Always. There will always be people to agree with you and tell you that cannot be right. There will always be that person that's there with you to say, that's not right. You shouldn't have to do it that way. God wouldn't expect that of you. He wouldn't require that of you. That's not the way he is. Well, I don't know. This is pretty tough. Amen. How many of you in here has he told you to take your child and offer him on the altar? Hmm. You ushers, look around. This is a pretty serious thing. See how many hands y'all see. You know what? I don't see any. So maybe he's asked you to do something a little less than that. Can you reason it out? 
Can you think about it day after day and come up with a solution not to do it? Absolutely. Over and over and over again. Do you think Abraham had just the teensy tiniest little bit of fear? You can say they're perfect, but they laughed when they said he said they were going to have kids. They weren't perfect. Him and Sarah missed it. Sarah, you read your Bible. They missed it a time or two here and there. They weren't perfect. So do you think he could have maybe faltered just a little? But you know what he did? He didn't waste any time when God told him that. Because he knew what his mind would do to him. Next morning he got up, he saddled that donkey, and he headed for the mountaintop. He didn't even tell his wife. Why didn't he tell his wife? You get my point? Sometimes when God tells you to do something, you can't tell nobody. You just got to do it. Before you talk your own self out of it, much less get somebody else to help you talk out of it. You just got to do it. And sometimes it ain't a bit of fun. And sometimes it's harder than what you thought. Will God test you? Yes. Because He wants to promote you. The children in the wilderness were tested. They were proven. And they failed. Are you tested? Yes. Are you failing? Are you passing? Let me give you another one. Oh, you're not going to like this one at all. Are we having fun now? For sure. How many of you remember the story of Hagar when she ran away? Oh, not funny. Tara, I don't know who's back there. Tara, if you're back there, Genesis 16, let's see, it's verse 6. Abraham said to her, see, here's your maid. She's in your hands and in your power. Put it up in the Amplified for me. Do with her as you please. And Sarah dealt with her severely, humbling her, afflicting her, and she fled from her. Now, Hagar had every right to leave, didn't she? Every right. God would never expect her to stay under those conditions. He would never require anybody to stay. I can imagine what Hagar was doing, though. I don't have, like Dave said, I don't have scripture for it, but you think about it. I can have a baby, you can't. Whether she said it or not, it was in her heart, it was in her mind. Nana, nana, nana. You know it's right. What would you do? You're human. Abraham likes me better because I can have his kids. You can't. What would you do if you were Sarah? (laughs) Hit the road, babe. You and that kid of yours. Out of here. 
But what does God have to say about it? Here's your point. Did Sarah miss it? Let's see. Verse 9, guys, amplified. Uh Uh-oh. The angel of the Lord said to her, Go back to Sarah and humbly submit to her control. Say this with me. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Because my thoughts, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. You've got to start being honest. This is what is wrong with us. Us. We have put our own interpretations on what we think God would require of us to do. We've decided. They cheated me out of this $50. I can blow my top. It's the principle of the thing. What would God have you do? Maybe it was a test. You just failed it. Maybe you and uh, your boss is at it. He's requiring you do ten times more than anybody else. You better talk to the Lord about it. You better not just assume that you know the answers. And don't assume it's always going to be easy. Because with God, I don't think offering your child on an altar is easy. I don't think going back and submitting, Hagar submitting to Sarah was easy. But the rewards for her were, I mean, she had children beyond the multitudes, it says. I mean, she had children. God blessed her. But was it easy? Was it easy for Daniel to be thrown into a lion's den? Could God have spared him before he got thrown in there? Did God let it happen? It's a good story afterwards. The kids love it. But do you just assume he will take me out before that happens? And I don't have to go through that? What about the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace? You feel like you've been in a fiery furnace lately? What will your testimony be when you come out? That you pitched a fit and you cussed everybody, all the soldiers out, and you cussed everybody around you out, and there was total turmoil all around you? What will your testimony be when it's all said and done? We have to look at 
what the truth is. I think tests last longer than they have to because of how we react to them. I think you can be, say you, you're in a, an argument with someone. You're in a heated turmoil discussion with someone and you're raging. Say it's with your teenager. Say it's with your spouse. Say it's with a coworker. You've got one of two choices. Continue that heated discussion or take responsibility. Well, it's the, the matter of principle. I didn't do anything wrong. Did Jesus do anything wrong? Whose example are we supposed to follow? How long do you want to stay in the test? What is your end result? Losing your marriage? Losing your child? Losing your job? You could be promoted with the Lord. I'm not talking about on your job. You could be promoted with the Lord just that quick. Things could be totally different. Your finances could change. Your position in life could change. But it matters how you handle the test. It matters if you blow a gasket and everybody knows it. People do things... I've seen it over and over and over and over again out of fear. Out of hurt and out of fear. And it's like they don't know how to respond, just like the the children in the wilderness. Instead of them humbling themselves to Moses and saying, Moses, what do we do? How do we get out of this predicament? What did they do? They murmured and complained and talked about Moses and and put him down and said how horrible he was. Did that help them at all? What do we as human nature, just like they did, have a tendency to do? The very same thing. Instead of taking responsibility on ourselves and humbling ourselves so often... We want to take the blame and shift it onto someone else. And we'll never pass the test that God has for us that way. We'll never get the money we're believing for. We'll never get the jobs we're believing for. We'll never get the spouses we're believing for. We'll never accomplish the things that we're believing for. It, it has to come back to some point in time to where we genuinely look at ourselves and we say, okay, maybe... Uh, I could change this or maybe I could have said that differently or maybe I could have done this differently or maybe, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I've failed a few tests my own self. And I look back on them and I think, you know what, you could have done that totally differently. You could have said that totally differently. You could have handled that totally differently. You could have not even said it that day. You could have done it a, a different way. You could have and saved this whole thing. Maybe the thing in itself wasn't right, but you could have not said it and caused the blow-up that it caused. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's so many ways that we force things and that we do things and we fail the test that God has us in trying to promote us. 
He doesn't want us to stay in these tests. He doesn't want us to stay in this turmoil. He wants us to go, go through it just like he wanted them to get. How long could they have gone to? How, I mean, they could have been 200 miles in a couple of months. They could have been out of there. They could have been living a victorious life in a very short period of time. What about you? How long will it take you to make the changes? Now, I could pull off my coat tonight and try to put it on every person on this front row and see if it fit them. For them to try to do exactly what the Lord was telling me to do. Okay, Phyllis, do it this way. Well, my coat wouldn't fit Dave. Well, it'd come closer to fitting Kim, but she's broader shouldered and a little taller than me, and so it's not going to quite fit her, you know? It's not going to fit James. It's not going to fit, you can go down the row, and it's just not going to fit him. What is required in your life is what God is telling you to do. And absolutely, some of you have blown things so big and boisterous out of proportion where all he's telling you to do is get up in the morning and pay attention when you read your Bible. This is your first step. But people have refused to do that. So if they won't, these people wouldn't follow Moses. They murmured and complained against him. And so they didn't get to go to the promised land. And the only requirement I know of that Keith has in his church is get up and read your Bible every day with your family. And I know 80% of the people do it slipshod in here. Well, how's your finances? How's your marriage? How's your kids? How's your job? And this ain't my words. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't. People say, I'd give my life for the Lord. Well, will you read for him five minutes? Or do you want to live in the wilderness for 40 years? People try to lie to themselves and complicate their lives. And they act like they don't know what's going on. And they try to pretend that they don't know what got them in the mess that they're in. When all God's asked them to do is kiss your kids every day. Tell them you love them. Not complicated. Most of the time, God meets us where we are. He's not going to tell you to offer your child on the altar. He's going to tell you to read your Bible. And until you get that down pat, He's not going to tell you anything else. He's not a complicated God and He's not a hard taskmaster. As you grow to different levels, He requires more of you. But if your needs are not met... It's because you're not doing something he told you not to do. If your bills are not paid, it's because you're not doing something he told you to do. If your marriage is a mess, it's because you're not doing something he told you to do. I mean, you could start anywhere in this place. I could start with Wayne and I could say, okay, Wayne, uh, 
I, and I don't know. I'm just saying things off the top of my head. You, you need to start, you know, kissing Vicky every day. Vicky, you need to start getting up cooking Wayne breakfast. Chad, you need to be uh, less rebellious. And, and then Heather would be more flexible. And same thing, you know, you just could go down the road. Every person has got something else that they need to do. Okay, start with finances with Dave. Dave, you need to give to these people. Uh, Kim, you need to give to your mom and dad. James, you need to do this. Every person in here has got something that they need to do, that the Lord has dealt with them about. And they've rebelled or been scared to do it. And most of the time, it's not done out of fear. What is my family going to think of me if I make them get up and read their Bible every day? Are they going to like me anymore if I require that they get up at 6 o'clock and read their Bible? Am I going to have... Am I going to have chaos on my hands? What are my kids going to say? What, what's going to happen to me if, if I say we have to do this? Fear. God doesn't require you lay your life down. But he does require something. What did he require of the children in the wilderness? They follow what Moses told them. And they quit murmuring and complaining. And every day he'd say, do this. Go out there and pick up this bread. Now, was that difficult? But now, don't go out there on Sunday and pick it up. Was that difficult? Did they do it? Yeah, they went out there. They picked it up. Wasn't nothing there. Don't carry it over a day. Did they carry it over a day? Now, do you see what I'm saying? These things are not difficult. They're not hard. But why did they do it? Because they were scared. They were scared they weren't going to have any food if they didn't save some. And that's what people do. They're scared that if they don't do what their mind tells them to do, it's not going to work out for them. Your mind will never make sense with the things of God. It never will make sense with the things of God. God gave us a mind to use, but so oftentimes it's like you have to take that mind and say, okay, mind, I got it, but... Go start a church in Branson with zero people. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. With zero money, that's an even better idea. I like that idea. Leave everything you got here in Tulsa. You don't have a house, you don't have nothing. Go now and do it in three weeks. All right, I like that idea. Yeah, with all your staff still in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. That works real well. To your natural mind, it doesn't. But you have to step out. You must. Well, no, you don't. Take that back. You don't have to do it. You can be just like the children in the wilderness and never step out. But if you want to see the miracles in your life that we sing about and that we talk about and that, God, you have already overcome. 
That's why that when you got saved, these things happened for you. There was a bright future. You were healed. You were prosperous. Say, then why aren't they happening in my life? Why didn't they get these things in the wilderness? Because they didn't obey the things that he told them to do. They won't be complicated, so don't try to say, okay, I have to be this hyper, big, super spiritual person to understand what he's saying. Pick up the bread. Don't pick up the bread. <laughs> Got it, God. Most things God tells you to do are very natural. Matter of fact, everything he's ever told me to do was natural. And you look through the Bible and the things he told them to do. Natural. Don't make any gods for yourself. Uh, duh, Moses ain't coming back. Uh, duh, the gold, it just fell in there and out came this calf. <laughs> duh. Was there confusion? Do you understand what I'm trying to get across? It is not complicated. Do not let yourself be confused. Don't play games with yourself. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with me. You don't have to be honest with Keith. You don't have to be honest with Dave or Dan or Jim or anybody. Just be honest with yourself. And say, okay, God, I'm not reading my chapter every day. It's just that simple. Don't get ahead. He, he gave us very simple, basic rules. He said, get you a Bible card, read your chapter every day with your family, every morning if you can, at the start of the day. Don't get ahead a day. Don't get behind a day. Don't continue reading these chapters. If you want to read something else, that's great. But don't continue reading these. Now, how many of you in here would be bold enough and brave enough to say that you do that every single morning just exactly the way that he said do it? Five people. You see my point? Is that complicated? Then people wonder how come... When God says, okay, jobs, okay, money, you shouldn't make plans just because the world says recession's coming on and you start cutting back on everything. You're not part of this world. Amen. But if you're not doing things right, well, the first thing that will come on you is fear. Because you have no confidence because you're not doing the things that you have in your heart. The only way you can have confidence toward God is if you're doing everything you know in your heart that he told you to do. It's when you're not doing things that he told you to do that you don't ha I mean, you, get, you confuse yourself. The things with God are as simple as A, B, C. Start one thing. Start. Get up in the morning. As a family, read your chapter. It takes maybe 10 minutes. 15 at the most. 
it's not convenient for us. He goes to bed. So do we. Our schedules are never the same. We read it over the phone sometimes. It's not always convenient. And the devil will make sure it's never convenient if it's the one thing that you're supposed to do. Then then beyond that, find out what he told you to do. Find out, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this how we're supposed to do it? Then I've got some good news for you if you do these things. Are you ready for it? All right. Exodus 14:13. Get your Bible out for this one. You'll want to mark it. Moses said unto the people, Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you this day. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. For the Lord shall fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. The Amplified says, The Lord will fight for you. You shall hold your peace and remain at rest. The Living says, The Lord Himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Can you do that part? Stay calm. 1 John 5. Verse 4. You can look at it on the screen. You don't even have to turn there because we're going to read out of the the Message Bible too. For whatsoever, are you a whatsoever? Is born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even, say, my faith. Let me read it out of the Message and then I'll tell you something else. The message says, every God-begotten person conquers the world's ways. The power that brings the world to its knees is our faith. Use your faith to take the tiniest first steps. That's something that you have from being born again. That is the things that won you the victory to be able to stand when these things come to you and the Lord says, offer your son. Go back to Sarah, Hagar. You would have the strength to be able to do whatever he told you and not get in fear. If you start by not thinking the thoughts, just doing it. When he tells you to do something, don't sit around for days and think about it. Take the step and do it. Now I just want to read you some things about overcomers. How many overcomers are we going to have in here now? Will you do what he tells you to do? How many of you will actually start? Now don't say it if you don't mean it because I don't want you to be a liar. Okay? We'll actually start doing the one thing that we're supposed to do as a church. Getting up. See? You do. It's going to help your finances. It's going to help your marriage. It's going to help your kids. It's going to help your job. It's going to help you with wisdom. It's going to help you with direction. It's going to help you with the people you need to deal with. 
Because it's what God told us to do. Revelation 2.7 says, To him that overcomes, I'll give to eat of the tree of life. To him that overcomes, he'll not be hurt in the second death. To him that overcomes, I'll give power over the nations. To him that overcomes, he'll be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot his name out of the book of life. How many of you want your name in the book of life? Did the children in the wilderness overcome? Is this you? Are you an overcomer? To him that overcomes will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. To him that overcomes I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Even as I overcame and I am set down with my father in his throne. To he that overcomes he shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he will be my son. Who is that in here? When do you overcome? Already happened. It's already done for you. You don't have to try to overcome. That's what people get so engulfed in trying to fix the battle that they're in. They're trying to fix their finances. They're trying to fix their marriage. They're trying to fix their kids. They're trying to fix their job. They're trying to fix losing their house. They're trying to fix whatever their situation is. And that is not even really the battle. The devil has got them distracted from the true battle when it's doing what God told them to do. And if they'd ever, I don't know what toy it was. I don't, you, you guys may remember, I, when, we, when I was little, there was some kind of little toy and you'd put something in it and it spins, spin, spin, and then it spit it out. I don't remember what toy that was. But anyway, it's like that. You may be in this tailspin and spin, 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 but you need to get yourself spit out so that you can actually see what the real issue is that you're supposed to be doing. Because if you can ever get out of that spin, you can get back on track to reach the goal that God has for you. Because the devil's number one device is to keep you in a battle, entangled in battles that are nothing. He wants you wrapped up in those so you will get your focus off of the thing that God told you to do. To steal the things that God told you to do. And if he can keep you there, you will never win. But what you must do is set your eyes on the prize. Like a runner would. Maybe he's got a hurt foot. Like a football player would. Maybe he's in a battle here, a scrimmage here, but he knows how far that goal line is. Or a basketball player. They may be in the scrimmage here on the court, but they know where that basket is. The whole time. They have it in sight. And that's what you must do. You can't just stay right here. You've got to get your eyes off of that and get it on the final goal. And if you can do that, then these scrimmages won't matter so much to you. Get out of them. Whatever it takes to get out of them, get out of them. You say, well, I'm trying, Mrs. Moore. I, I'm trying to overcome. I'm trying to do that. Do whatever it takes. Take the responsibility. Get out of the lawsuit. Lose the money. Uh, whatever it takes to get you out of that battle, get out of it. It's not worth it to you for the end result. Set your eye back on the prize 
And you'll find real quickly that this was nothing. Whatever it takes, get out of the battle and get back in the race. Got it? Stand up with me. God will not require more of you than you have, but he does require something of you. We should be different than the world. We should be able to see differences in our lives in the world, but we have to make the choices different than the world. They take people to court. They fight with their families. They never give in. It's the principle of the matter with them. It's the $5 with them. It's the this with them. It's the uh, everything. We have to be different than them if we want different results than they have. So close your eyes for just a minute and say this with me. Father, Father. just a minute before we do that. So many times I've been in services that people have had and they've done exactly what I'm doing now. They say, say this with me. And people just open their mouths and say whatever somebody from the pulpit is saying. I don't do that. When somebody from the pulpit is saying something, if you don't agree with it, don't say it. Just pray under your breath in tongues. Don't lie. Do you hear me? Don't just say something out of your mouth that you don't believe. It matters what you say. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's Keith. I don't care who it is. You listen to what's being said because you can stand there and repeat what somebody's saying without even thinking about it. Mean what you're saying and say what you mean. Okay? If you want things to work in your life, we're kings and priests. And if it was real and things did the way that the Lord had them set up for us to do, every word that came out of our mouth would come to pass. And I like it when that happens. I don't like for my words just to come out and go... I like for them to have power and mean something. So when I say something, I want it to happen. You be the same way. If you can't say it, listen to what I'm saying. If you can't say it, then just pray under your breath in the Spirit. Or just be quiet, whichever. All right? Father God, I ask you to show me everything you want me to do. I am yours. And I choose to do things your way for your good. And as I do it, you will show me the best paths, the right way, the right, the, the way to pass the test, the quickest, the easiest, without hurt, without harm, and when every battle, every time, without hurting anyone, but blessing everyone that I come in contact with. I ask you to show me if I've missed it in the past, bring it to my remembrance. If I need to get back on a course or a path to get things straightened out, here and now. I'll do it. I will do it. Because my goal 
is your goal. And I choose to serve you. Because I know, as I do, I will be healed. I will be prosperous. I will be blessed. I will be full of joy. I will be happy serving you all the days of my life. It's the only way to go. The devil's path is full of lies. I've been there. Don't want to stay. Want your way. And I thank you for helping me to walk out everything you show me in Jesus' name. Now thank him for doing it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Just thank Him. Take some time and thank Him. Uh, Meditate on what you just prayed. Glory to God. Think about the commitment you've just made. Don't get afraid at the commitment you just made. Get in faith for the commitment you just made. You guys got a song? Let's sing something. I got the victory.